This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you all for joining from all parts of Brooklyn and New York and all parts of the world. <laughs> uh, tonight we are learning Yeshua Heshel Ben Sasha and for Tamar Bat Ahuva Ilanit and Yehoshua Heshel Ben Toba Miriam. Uh, we're also learning tonight Ilu Nishmat Avram Ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechezkel Ben Abraham. So the idea for tonight, the the goal for tonight, it, it's a very simple idea. It's it's a but it's something that we've been speaking about. But it's a, but it's also something that I, the goal of tonight is really to try to understand the value, the the importance, the power of gratitude. This is something that we've been speaking for a while, and I, I wanted to put a separate class in itself just in this idea. And what I the way that I want to try with Hashem's help to you know branch out on this idea is to give a little bit of a background. Then the the bulk of the information is really to implore with a bunch of short stories on the on the power and the uh, the ability of gratitude to have miracles in your life. That's really the goal of it. And then once we're on miracles, well, I want to speak about a few a few interesting ideas. But really, the idea is to show you how powerful this this concept is, and this is a concept that everybody knows. But you know, like some we associate value. To certain things. So, for example, people that are, uh, you know, have been religious or been listening to classes for a long time, they know the value of, let's say, Shabbos. They know that it's very, very important to keep Shabbos, and Shabbos is 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 such a huge thing. And because of its importance, people are able to do it easier, or they're more attracted to it, and they realize the value of it because of its importance. So, the more something is important to you, the easier and the more that you are going to be attracted, and you're going to be able to accomplish it. Or, or try to achieve that goal of achieving whatever it is. And, and that is why when, when we speak about certain things, that's, let's say, skula for, for panasa or for marriage, or for children, or for health, people gravitate towards those types of classes or those types of ideas, whatever those, those skulot are, because that's something that all of a sudden becomes important to their life. And the, the idea is a very, very simple idea. When something is important to you, you try harder to achieve it or to be able to conquer it. So what I want to try tonight, Be'ezat Hashem, with Hashem's help, is, um, is, is that you, you have the, um, the ability to do something. And if you go and if you realize its importance, you're more likely going to go and going in to tap into it and going to achieve it. And this is something that's very, very important because anything in life, if we want something really badly, we will work harder for it. So the question is how bad we want it. Now, to get to how bad we want it, if we take a step back, if we realize its importance, its value, that makes our drive all that more stronger. So the goal for tonight, to try to give you like an overview from the background, is to try to show you the value and the ability of what Hakar Satov could have. And thank you for that private message, because that is something that I did want to speak to, and I forgot about it. Regarding Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein, uh, there is, um, you know, Liran and Naret Israel, a very special person who is working to try to, not try, he's obviously going to be very successful in taking Rabbi Wallerstein's classes, or maybe starting off with clips, and 
taking that and turning into putting Hebrew sub subtitles on them and putting that into the uh, into the Israeli market, let's call it. There is uh, certain people that attract, you know, like like certain personalities. Certain people attract people, and they're able to accomplish a lot in life with the schus that Hakadosh Baruch Hu has given them. And uh, Rabbi Wallerstein was one of those type of people. So even if you don't know the language, but you hear the emotion in his voice, and you you just read the translation, that that you know, things that go out of the heart go into the heart. So you're able to go, and you're able to even if you don't understand the language, but you're able to feel the emotion. You know, emotion is not always in understanding it. It's sometimes it's just in the, you could see, it, you, you cannot understand Spanish. Uh, I think all people that speak Spanish are very emotional. That's just the way it sounds. It sounds like they're always like, very, good! You know, like you feel the emotion that goes on inside of it and you don't know what they're talking about. I mean, at least I don't. Like, my Spanish is very minimal. Uh, you know, so like when you, when you, when you hear like something, it all of a sudden, it can, it, like you feel the emotion and you sort of connect to it. So even if you don't speak English, and well, you won't be listening to this if you don't speak English because uh, you won't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, maybe you could listen for my emotion or my crazy screaming. I don't know. But when you go and you listen, let's say that you take Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein and you translate his his classes, and even if you don't understand, like, but you read the subtitles, it connects into you. And if you you could you, you could relate to this if let's say you hear a class in Yiddish, uh, like uh, I'll give you an example, or Bill Biederman. There's a lot of his clips that go around. He speaks in Yiddish, but there's subtitles. But sometimes you could feel the emotion through the video, even if you don't understand it or it could be in hebrew with english subtitles so what uh what this very special person uh is doing is is taking these classes uh, you know paying somebody to go and put subtitles to rabbi wallerstein's uh, you know clips and uh, you know spreading it out to the israeli uh to the israeli speaking world to be able to you know capitalize on on the power of what rabbi wallerstein was and what he represented and i think this is a very big schus and if anybody wants to participate, you could um, you could donate to this. Any amount doesn't matter. It could be a dollar, it could be eighteen dollars, it could be eighteen thousand dollars, whatever it is. It's going to go towards uh, you know doing this and translating and spreading it out. So if you want to, uh, you could either zell it or you could email it. The, the zell and the email is the same. Mbloom5 at yahoo.com. That's uh, spelled M B L O O M five. That's just the number, not spelled out. At yahoo.com. I think that's a that's a huge schuss. Uh You know, I think I think many people have benefited from Rabbi Wallerstein, and um, it it is it is imperative and uh, to do at least a Hakaras of Hope. You actually wrote a, a safer on Hakaras of Hope, and it, there is you know a lot of Hakaras of Hope that that Klal needs to have for him, and uh, I think it's it's very very important that everybody would go and uh, donate to this cause. I think it's very important, and it's something that you could do for his neshama. Uh, and also for Klali Shal, I, I think it's a huge, huge schos, a huge opportunity, and uh, we shouldn't, uh, you know, we shouldn't pass it up because there's many opportunities that come in our life, and uh, we tend to uh, let it slip by. But okay, going back to our topic, which is a topic that was actually very dear to Rabbi Wallerstein. Now, speaking about Rabbi Wallerstein so much, well, obviously we have to learn the Ilan Ishmaq, Zechariah Shimon ben Rabbi Yitzchak, HaKoyen. This is a topic that, that's, uh, that, that is and was dear to him. And I, I feel it's uh, important not only for his students, but for everybody to be able to capitalize and tap into this. So there's a Pasuk in Tehillim. A Pasuk in Tehillim goes in chapter 81, verse 11. <clears throat> 
The Pasuk says, I am Hashem, your God, I took you out from Egypt. And then the Pasuk goes, Open your mouth and I shall fill it. Which is a very, what does that mean? What do you mean, open your mouth and I shall fill it? It sounds like all, all of a sudden, you know, like a little kid, what? You know, here's the airplane, it's coming in, open your mouth and I'll fill it up with food. So what is that going to be saying that he's going to fill up with food? What's harchev picha v'amaleu? So when you look at the trend, the, the word harchev, harchev can be open, but it could also be widen. What is it widen? So the Sefer Behashem Yatsa Hadavar brings down that what, what does it mean when a person widens their mouth? What does widening their mouth do? So widening their mouth literally is a smile. You're smiling, meaning that you're happy. When you're happy, when, when, when HaKadosh Baruch was telling us that when you're happy, HaKadosh Baruch is going to reward us by fulfilling our request. Meaning that we can accomplish a lot by being happy. By, by having like this happiness. And, and that is really the goal. When you have Hakaras of Hope, when you have gratitude, your, your happiness is growing inside of you. It's internal happiness. The, the Shem Ramunim goes and brings down that there's a medrash. This is based off the medrash. That Yosef Atadik, he was, he, how did he achieve success? He achieved tr- crazy success. If you want to speak about a successful person in Jewish history, like, you know, I, I, arguably it's going to be like the most successful person in Jewish history would be Yosef Atadik. Talk about like a rags to riches story where you have, you know, someone who was born to like Yaakov and Rachel Menu, like, like to royalty. And then he was sold by his own family. He was given up by his own family as, as, as slaves. They, they wanted to kill him at, at one point. And he achieved such success both in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm and the material realm, the, the financial realm. Like he was the richest, you know, like he was able to, he, he ruled the greatest empire for 80, for, for, for so long, for a lifetime. And what was the secret of his, of his success? So the Pasuk in Beratius, chapter 39, verse 3, goes and says, His master, here I don't is referring to his master, Potiphar, saw that God is with him, Hashem Itai. And anything that he does, Hashem God makes him successful, prosper in his hand. What does it mean, Ki Hashem Ita? What does it mean when the, when the master saw that everything that he does, and his master saw that God is with him? How can you see that God is with somebody? So, okay, fine. So, if you're sitting over there and all of a sudden, I don't know, you're making miracles and you could say, okay, like God is with, but like, what was, Yosef was making miracles in Potiphar's side. Well, what was, how did Potiphar realize or see that Akadish Baruch Hu was with Yosef? So, Rashi answers this. And Rashi says that Shem Shemaim Shagar Bepiv, his name was, was frequent in his mouth, meaning that he constantly mentioned God in everything that he did. Like, you know, some people, unfortunately, are a little bit shy. If somebody secular calls you or speaks to you or you're in your work environment and say, how's everything? It's good. And then you speak to someone who's religious and he asks you the same question. How's everything? All of a sudden, you're praising God for today and tomorrow. Wait a minute. So how come when you speak to a secular guy, you speak to an atheist, you speak to a non-Jew, you're like, how's everything? Good. Cool. Great. Thank you. know, it's good. And when you all of a sudden speak to a religious person, it's like, Baruch Hashem, everything is praising God. Like, if really, if, if you're really thanking God, like, you should thank God in all areas. There's a secular person, there's a religious person, how's everything? Thank God. You know, like, it's unbelievable, I, I praise the Lord. You know, in, in, in all my endeavors. When Yosef was with the, the most, the, the, the dirtiest, the lowest of the lowest in spirituality, 
God was always on his on his lips. Even his master realized that. His Potiphar realized that he always spoke about God. He always thanked God. So what does it mean that he spoke about God? He thanked God. So the success really was very simple. Yosef walked around asking Hakadosh Baruch Hu and thanking Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Asking and thanking. Asking and thanking. That's that's what Yosef Hatzadik was doing. And if we want to achieve that same level of success, we ask. And we think, we think, and we ask. And who, we're only asking to God. We're only asking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara and Brachos, page 54a, goes and tells us that we should constantly be thanking Hashem that everything that happened to us in the past, and then right afterwards, we should pray to God for the future. Now, this is a question that I get often, but wait a minute. So if I am grateful, so then why am I praying for something? I'm thankful for what God has given me. So why am I praying for God to get out of the situation that God put me in? Right? So if let's say something bad is happening and I'm saying, okay, God, I'm thankful for the bad that you gave me. And then right away I'm starting to ask, oh, and can you please take me out of it? That's sort of like, you know, like going backwards. That's sort of saying like, I'm thankful, but you know, I'm not thankful. That's, that's the question that, you know, you can get very often. Not that if we see that very often, and, and you know, it, you know, when when speaking about gratitude, be like, so how does gratitude work together with prayer? So, really, there's two answers for this. Number one, when you go and you are grateful for something, and then you thank you 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 thank God, and then right away you ask to get out of that. You might think, okay, wait a minute. So now I'm like, I'm not really being grateful, but really. If you think about it, just you take you take a step back and you think about it from a bird's eye view, really what you're showing is, is that everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, meaning that you're thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the situation, and then you're going and you're saying, you're asking, you're saying, I can't go another minute, or I can't go another second without God's help. Like, God, I need you. Like, I'm thanking you for everything that you've given me, but please, I need you. I, I, I need you in this situation. I can't get out of it. So that's one answer. The second answer, the say that Yom brings down, that when you go and when you thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for something, whether it's good, whether it's bad, it doesn't matter. When you're grateful, when you're thankful to God for whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu has put you into, at that moment, when you show that gratitude, you're in an ace rotzone. An ace rotzone means that you're in an opportune time. You're in an opportune time to be able to capitalize on that. There are certain times where, you, let's say, you're in front of a powerful person and you can ask for anything that you want and you have those few seconds to ask him but if you lose that opportunity it's gone when you're thankful when you're grateful you put yourself in a position you raise yourself above nature you raise yourself in a position to say to god listen i know that it's all you and i know that if you put me here it must be for my best so i thank you Akadish Baruch Hu, and i thank you for the situation that you put me in now that you just passed through that in a crazy crazy like like orb of a test now you're in a situation where you could go and you could say okay wait a minute so now i'm here now there's an eighth structure now there's an opportune time because i just raised myself above nature i just thank god for whatever it was even whether it was good or whether it was bad, and now you could ask for anything. So the idea behind over here is that you put yourself in a position that now you're able to go and you're able to thank God for what just happened, for whatever it was. There are many things in our lives where we could put ourselves in an opportune position. You know, for example, you go to the hotel, right? You go to the hotel and you do, you're, 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 you're right now like in a very, very holy place. 
So that's an opportune, opportune position, but it's also an opportune time that you're able to go and you're able to capitalize it. You talk about, let's say, Yom Kippur, Ni'ilad. Like there's certain times where you are, you know, like this is an opportune time. When you're grateful, when you say thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for whatever it is, at that moment is an opportune time and you better capitalize it. Yes, go and ask for whatever it is that you want. There was a, a rabbi who was uh, who, who needed to borrow some money. He borrowed close to $10,000. And uh, every so often he put money on the side to, you know, to be able to go and pay this person, uh, to pay the person back. And as he went and he was, you know, like putting more and more money back in there, he, he, you know, like he put it in this, like he secured it, let's just say, in a location where it wasn't, uh, you know, the safest location. Maybe he put it in an old utensil in the kitchen. Uh, we all know that, the, you know, the kitchen is really the woman's, uh, um, you know, territory, let's just call it. And he put it in, in like a utensil over there. That was an old utensil that was not being used. And he kept on every time that he had a little extra money, he put it inside over there. Over the period of some time, he was able to go and he was able to, uh, you know, make some, uh, you know, money. And he was able to fill up the the jar, let's just call it, to pretty much what he owed the person, close to $10,000. And it was coming close to Pesach. And he figured, you know, it was like, it was about a few days before Pesach. I said, let me go and let me pay this person back. And he goes and uh, he looks for this jar of cookies, let's just call it, this jar of money. And he realizes it's not where he put it. And he starts searching one cabinet in the kitchen, another cabinet in the kitchen. And he's going from cabinet to cabinet. And all of a sudden, you know, when you lose something that's really important, all of a sudden you start stressing out. And as you speed up, time sort of slows down and you're going. And as you speed up and time slows down, you start sweating more. And he's looking around and he can't find the like the 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 nine grand that he put inside this jar and he's he's you know he's like he's like this is like this is a rabbi salary right it's not somebody who's a bit in business and you know okay one good deal maybe he could bring the you know swing some some good cash along his way and he he quickly goes to his wife you know like sweating like in a position he's like <clears throat> you know hey honey <laughs> you know like zen himself in like so remember that jar that we had in the third cabinet to the right up above the sink, you know, in the kitchen over there, you know, like, where, where, where is that? And she's like, oh, that, you know, like I was cleaning for Pesach and I realized, you know, it's a good old jar. We never use it. So I, I, I threw it out. And he's like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, <laughs> I passed out there for a minute. You what? And she's like, yeah, why? Well, I, you know, and all of a sudden she started getting nervous. She's just like, I threw it out. Why? And he's like, you remember the money that I borrowed? She's like, yeah. I've been slowly saving money. And she's like, yeah. I've been putting it in that jar. And she's like, no. And he's like, yeah. And all of a sudden, he runs out the house and he runs to the garbage. It was in Israel, the story. He runs into this little big, you know, dump. And he starts looking. And of course, you know, it was a few days ago and it was nowhere to be found. And as, you know, as he was running to the garbage, you know, he was a rabbi, he was, he was working on himself on Amuna. The entire time he's thinking, 
Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Thank. By the way, this is a level that we could only dream of. But he's running over there and he's saying, thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Whatever you do happen, thank you, Hashem. He runs over there. He's searching through the garbage. He's saying, thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. He didn't find anything. So he, you know, he's he's he walks back to his house. And he's constantly repeating to himself. He says, this is not my wife. This is Hashem. This is not my wife. This is Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for everything that you have done. This is not, my wife didn't know this. Like, it wasn't, you know, like, and he goes, he comes home after his, you know, uh, adventure searching the dumps uh, and returning with empty-handed. And uh, he goes and he sees his, his wife was, is visibly upset. And he's like, he's like, why are you upset? She's like, what do you mean why am I upset? I just threw out like $9,000. What do you mean why am I upset? And now, like, everything that he saved up and all his emotion, now he has his wife who is upset. And he could, he has two options right now. He has actually three options. He could be indifferent and be like, okay, whatever, you deal with you. I got to work on myself, right? I'm going to the woods and I'm going to start praising God. I'm doing his body. I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing. Like, he could do, he could be very neutral in it. Or he could be very negative and start saying, okay, you know what? Like, why did you look into it where, you know, like, and, and before you threw it out? And she would, could counter back and be like, what did you tell me? Like, that you put money in there in my kitchen. Like, of course I would have looked at it. That is another option. But the third option is to be like, you know, like, okay, the, the deed was done. Fighting over it, arguing over it, being upset over it, it's not going to bring the money back. So let me go and let me, like, my wife is upset. Let me go and let me, you know, try to raise her spirits. And that's what the rabbi did. Instead of being upset, instead of being indifferent, he goes over to his wife and he starts comforting her. He just lost $9,000. And now he's going over there and he's saying, it's not your fault. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. Don't be upset about it. And he's literally giving her like an Emuna boost and, and uh, like, like a boost of like, like, you know, like it's not, don't worry about it. Don't sweat about it. This is not your fault. Like, how would you have known? Like he's literally coaching her out of the, you know, out of the difficult situation that he himself is also in. And the next morning he goes and he decides that he's going to go to shul. He's going to go to the yeshiva. And he wants to give a suda He wants to give a thanksgiving meal. He wants to thank God publicly for making him lose the money. Like he wants to take it to another level. So he goes over to the rabbi and of the, of the yeshiva, the, the rosh yeshiva. And he goes and he says, I want to make a thing. And he explains the situation. I want to, you know, like whatever God did, I know God did for the best. I want to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the situation that he put me in. And he goes... And he starts, you know, arranging it. The Thanksgiving meal, the Sudato Dayah, did not happen yet. And he comes home after going to yeshiva, and he sees his wife is still upset. And he's like, why? He's like, he's like, no, you should not be upset. And he's trying to comfort her again. She's still visibly upset. And he realized that he can't comfort her. So what does he do? He says, come, you're coming with me. He goes and he takes her to a jewelry store and he buys her a special, you know, piece of jewelry for Pesach, which is coming up in two days. And um, the, you know, so he's sitting over here. He's spending more money. His wife is, you know, like in the, the you know, who knows where she's, where she's at. He's out like $9,000. He does. And what he's, he's going and he's trying to, you know, he's buying his wife some jewelry. That day, not a week later. Not two days later, not that same day, he gets home after buying his wife jewelry. He sits on the couch and the phone rings. He answers it. It's a friend of his from America who, you know, was made an investment some time ago he that just, just just paid some uh, some big dividends on uh, on his investment. And he decided that he wanted to give them Maasel money 
to this rabbi. And he calls him up and he says, I want to wire into your account $10,000. And he was like, he's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, you know, I made some money. I want to wire, you know, it's before Pesach. I want to wire $10,000. That He didn't even make his Sudato Daya. He didn't even do that. He, he went out to buy something with his wife. That same day, he saw the money. Not only the money, he made money on it, on the deal. He had a little bit over 9000 spent, you know, like saved. He ended up making $10,000. Why? Because he was able to go and deal with it in a grateful manner. Now, again, this is something that it's on a whole nother level where you're talking about somebody who doesn't have money, needed to borrow $10,000, meaning that he had to spend some time going and saving it up, and then he lost it all. And to still be grateful at that point, at that, at that moment, that's like, that's like unbelievable. That's like crazy. That's a different, that's a different level. So when you're going, I'm sorry, my camera just, uh, um, you know, Lost it. Sorry, guys. Hold on one second. The Tar Anytime camera just went off. So, hold on one second. Okay. I'm recording blindly now. I don't even know where it, where it started, where it ended off. It. But in any case, he goes and he's in a level where he is... Mamash, like, like in without any, like he has nothing, and he has nothing coming in, and he was able to go, and he was able to be to to to, to like be grateful for that situation, to be grateful for for what the, the negative situation that he was put in, and what he saw was within a day, within like like the literally the next day, he had the money back in his account. Which shows you the power of Hakar Stov, which shows you the power of gratitude. The, there was uh, a big Rebbe that had a student. He was a, about a 30-year-old married young man who was sitting and learning in Yeshiva. It was an Avrich. And he was diagnosed with a very rare disease. And he goes over to the doctor, and the doctor runs a bunch of tests. And the doctor comes to him and says, you know... After, you know, running all the tests, you know, and the doctor's now about to give him, like, really bad news. And the doctor looks down. He can't, he can't even look at this person in the eye. And he says, um, you know, unfortunately, with all the tests that, that came back, you have only, uh, you know, two years left to live. And now the doctor is sitting there and he's looking down like he doesn't he's avoiding eye contact. And, you know, after a few moments of silence, you know, he raises his eyes to look at, you know, the patient. And he sees this Avrech, this young Kolo guy, sitting there. And he's sitting calmly, as if he hasn't heard what the doctor said. And the doctor repeated his prognosis. And the patient still didn't, no reaction. And the doctor goes over to the patient. He says, you know, I've been in practice for over 20 years. You know, and unfortunately in my, you know, profession, I've been the bearer of this type of bad news many times. I have never seen a reaction like yours. You know, like, what's going on through your mind right now? Like, what do you, did you not hear me? And the patient, the Avrich, young Avrich, is like, he's like, no, no, you know, I heard you. So the doctor says, so, so what's, you know, like, your reaction is so nonchalant, like, what's going on through your mind? So the Avrich, this young Kohl guy, answered. He says, you know, I'm thinking about the kindness that God has given me. 
And the doctor's like, I'm sorry, the kindness? And he's like, yeah. He's like, according to your words, I have two more years left of life. Every moment of life is a gift that God doesn't owe me this gift. God has given me a gift of two years, meaning that I will be able to wake up for another 700 times, you know, in the next, you know, two years. And each time that I wake up is going to be such a special gift for me. Like, I'm, you know, when I say Moda'ani, to a completely different level. God is going to be able to return my soul for another two more years. And then he's thinking, and you know, I started thinking, like this same loving God that's giving me another two years, who says he's not going to give me more years? Like, like maybe, maybe he'll give me more than two years. And the doctor goes and says that this young man has changed his entire outlook of life. Now, the Rebbe that was saying this story said that at this point when he was saying the story, it's been over 13 years since that meeting with the doctor. And this young Kolo guy, this young man, is still waking up every morning, saying Moda'ani and thanking God. We don't realize the power of appreciation. We don't realize the power of thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rav Nachman of Breslov goes and says that the gematria of Imuna is the same numerical value as Banim, sons. And, and really, gratitude, and this is why we put gratitude in our series of Emunah, because gratitude is really the expression of Emunah. If you are, if you claim to be great and, and focusing and learning and enhancing on Emunah, and you're not grateful, then you're fooling yourself. Because if you are in a high level of Emunah, then you have a high level of gratitude. And there was multiple, multiple stories and scenarios of miracles that happened. Literally miracles. I'm not going to go through all the details because I just want to, you know, like, like give you the idea behind it regarding people that couldn't have any children and were grateful and, all, and, they, and they were able to have children. There was a woman that couldn't have, a couple that couldn't have children for many years. And she started, she decided that she's going to give thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for her situation for 40 days. The 36th day, she was pregnant. There was another couple who couldn't have kids for 14 years. They went to doctors, they went to treatments, they went to specialists, they went to rabbis, they went to Mikabalim, they went to everyone and everywhere that they could. And yet, no dice, nothing doing. They heard about this idea of gratitude and the power that it has. They decided that they're going to give thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu every single day. But not just like, okay, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. No, no, no. They really gave things. Like, like they really put themselves in their mind and they were like, no, no, no. They really like focused and they really thanked God from the depths of their heart. Within a year, they had a child. 14 years, nothing. Within a year, they had a child. There was another couple, nine years, they couldn't have any child. This, the woman, this was the woman took upon herself. She decided that she's going to be giving thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. She took out a notebook and every single day she wrote 100 things. Again, let me repeat that number. 100, 100, 100 things that she's thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Both good and bad. Every single day. On the 40th, on the 40th day that she was writing this her chronicles, her, 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 her legend of gratitude, she found out that she was pregnant. Nine years, nothing doing, all of a sudden. And there's multiple stories of couples that couldn't have any children. And they sat and they thanked the Kaddish Baruch Hu, but not like thank you. They really worked on themselves to really feel that appreciation and say, God, if you put me in this situation, I don't want to be here. 
Like I'm, I'm suffering right now, but I know you put me here and I know you did it for a right reason. So I'm, and they worked on themselves on being grateful and thankful to that you know what's best and you put me here and thank you for that. And within a short period of, t- a short period of time, they, they had a child. There was another woman who wasn't married. She was in her 30s. And she went over to a rabbi. She says, you know, listen, like, uh, yeah, like at this point, let me try other Kabbalistic things. Maybe I should change my name. Maybe I just have bad luck with my name. Let me change it. And uh, uh, the rabbi says, no, don't change your name. I want you to sit every single day in privacy for 30 minutes and thank Hashem of your situation. That's not just like, oh, yeah, thank you, Hashem, you know, two seconds. I want you to sit for 30 minutes every single day and thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for it. The rabbi didn't see this person for another year. He was giving a lecture in a certain area and this woman came up to him about a year later. And she said, you know, I did what you've told me. And it's been last year you told me that. Within a few months, I was married and now I'm already expecting a child. She was 30 years old. She's been trying to get married for eight years, nine years, 10 years, nothing doing. All of a sudden, she really worked on herself to be grateful. The power that that has gave her her salvation. There was a woman that was in labor, and it was a very difficult labor. And the doctor said that it looks like they need to do emergency C-section. Now, anybody that's you know in labor, anybody that had a child knows that, that that's really the last resort that you want. You really don't want a C-section. And uh, uh, the woman started reciting to Helen. A particular parak of Tehillim. She was reciting Mizmar Lasaida, Parak Kuf, uh, the Tehillim of chapter 100. This is a chapter of thanks, of Hoda, of, of, of gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And she took this Tehillim and she said it again and again and again. And her husband saw her say that. He went over to the corner and he started, and he started focusing and concentrating and saying, Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for the situation that we are in. I know that you put, and he's working on his gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the doctor, meanwhile, is working around, you know, like trying to figure out what, like, you know, like doing everything that a doctor could do. And the doctor sees that what she's doing and what he's doing. And all of a sudden the baby starts improving. And the doctor calls out to both of them. He says, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it because it's working. Needless to say, they did, she, this woman did not need a C-section. And Baruch Hashem, the baby was delivered healthily, uh, you know, in a normal, normal fashion. There was another woman, just to show you the power of what gratitude can do. The school of this thing is, is unparalleled to what we can, can comprehend. There was a woman that, that uh, you know, had tremendous stomach pain. So she went to the doctor, the doctor, and the doctor took a bunch of tests. And uh, they, they found out that they, she had, unfortunately, a tumor on her kidney. And the doctor said, listen, it's probably benign, meaning that it's not cancerous. It's, it's probably nothing, but you're going to need to schedule a surgery to remove it and check it out. So when this woman heard about her, you know, her diagnosis, she, she really broke down. She started crying, you know, like, and, and then all of a sudden it brings, you know, she or it sort of clicked a short while later about an Amuna class that she heard and how she's supposed to be thankful and grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for everything, even if it appears bad. Because in an essence, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you something, it's really good. So she worked on changing our attitude. And she started thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu over and over again. The next day, the very next day, she went to a different doctor. She says, you know, let me, let me get another opinion. And uh, the doctor ran the same test, ran the sonograms, ran the blood work. And he's like, I don't know what the other doctor saw, but there's, there's literally nothing here. There, there's not, there's, there, you, you know, like the first doctor made a mistake. And, uh, you know, like when she, 
did some more follow-up. The truth of the matter was that, yeah, the doctor made a mistake. There was nothing there. But really, did he make a mistake or was it the power of her gratitude of her Kara Satov? The Maharal in Kavur Hashem writes that a person who thanks HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so elevated that he clings together or she clings together to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Noam Elimelech brings down that when a person is able to connect to God, when a person is able to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he enters in sort of a different sphere of reality. In a reality that even the prosecuting angels are not able to enter. We're, we're, when we go and we think and we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we praise God, we can achieve salvation that is even greater than prayer. That, that, that's such a crazy level that we can reach by just being grateful. The, you know, like, like it's so imperative to understand this. This is something that, you know, we spoke about. I believe this is our ninth class or our tenth class. I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head. Ninth or tenth class on gratitude. But we have to realize the power and the ability that this thing has, this grat- gratefulness has. Besides all the benefit that it has in our materialistic life, the power that it has in the spiritual realm, it could get us things that we always dreamt of and we've never been able to tap into. To the power, to the level that it even can be greater than prayer. Can you understand that? Do we understand the level of this? And that's just like being, that's like really being grateful, like really thanking Hakadosh Baruch Hu for for whatever it is that we're dealing with. It has such a great power. It was the, the yeshiva Nevardic was in dire, dire poverty. They like they had nothing. They were barely were able to put food on the table for the students, and Pesach was approaching. And besides worrying about the regular food, now they had to start worrying about getting matzah, getting kosher flour to be able to bake matzah. So the rabbi was working tirelessly and he was able to, you know, acquire a nice amount of flour that the entire yeshiva body, the entire student body would be able to go and have kosher matzahs on Pesach. And, uh, you know, the, the word spread out through the yeshiva that we have enough flour. And the, kids, the students were elated. They were like, it's unbelievable. We're going to have, like, matzah. Like, now, it's like, you know, like, we can't even begin to comprehend the poverty that they were dealing with. Like, now, like, if we don't have a massage chair while we're learning and an air conditioning room while we're having, like, you know, like, in, a, in the highest level of cucumber face and, the, you know, like, all these spotting and then we're able to learn okay then we're able to but like here we're talking about people that were sitting and learning that nothing to the point that they were maybe able to have matzah on Pesach that's the level where they were elated for so they stored this flower in the attic of the yeshiva and a, a few weeks before Pesach there was a very very severe hailstorm that was uh, damaging the yeshiva's roof and uh, to the point that it, it penetrated into the roof and the uh, water started leaking in and the, unfortunately the flower was there and when water hit the flower it turned the flower it turned it turned the dough into uh into chametz and that's it the matzah wasn't able this dough wasn't able to be be used for um matzah on Pesach and, and the boys were devastated like you know like we had everything over here and now we thought why did God do this to us and like the entire yeshiva was like in such like a down state of mind that the rabbi called over, the Rosh Hashiva called over everybody into the room, and he gathered them and says, you know, like, it's coming to Pesach. We know Pesach is famous for four questions, right? You have to have the, the four questions of the four, you know, the, the, the Manashtana that every child reads. So the rabbi goes, says, I want to ask you four questions, and I want you to answer it. So the rabbi goes, says, you know, all know that we've been having a hard time struggling financially trying to put food on the table, 
but we're able to acquire flour for Pesach. So the rabbi says, question number one, who helped us get the flour so that we'd be able to bake matzahs? So the students were all sitting over there. They said, you know, God, obviously, you know, like Hashem saves us. And the rabbi's like, yeah, okay, that's the right answer. He says, let me ask you question number two. Who brought the hail that broke the roof? And the kids, you know, answered, the children, you know, the, the students answered, Hashem, God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, good, two for two. Let me ask you another question. Who brought the rain that destroyed the flower and put the, turned that flower into chametz? The children, I realized at this point, they, the kids really, they, you know, the students realized at this point, okay, you know, they get the theme of the, of the questions. God, God did this. And the Rosh Shiva goes and says, so God gave us the flower. God sent us the hailstorm. God sent us the rain to destroy what we had. So who put us in this situation? And everybody in union, you know, you said, HaKadosh Baruch put us in this situation. So the Rosh Hashiva goes and says, so if God put us in this situation, so why are we sad? Why are we depressed? Why are we upset? If God put us in this situation, that means that we need to be in this situation. So we have to accept the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that God wants us here for us. The same God that gave us the flower took it away from us, and the same God that took it away from us can give it back to us. And the the boys became revitalized with like this energy and this happiness, and they started being thankful and grateful for the situation that they were in, and they prayed for more flour. Two days before Pesach, the rabbi received a large donation that was enough flour to bake matzah the entire yeshiva. Again, there's a common theme that's going on through all these stories, where they were placed in a negative situation, a difficult situation, and with gratitude and had the power to remove them from whatever the situation was. There was a family that had a boy, a religious family that had a boy that unfortunately went off the derech. There was a neighbor that came, moved into the town, and unfortunately had a bad influence, and slowly, slowly took this uh, you know, child away from, from religion. And as religious parents, like, like what could be more painful to a parent than seeing their own child, like everything that they believe for. You know, like when, when somebody lives a religious life, like that's their essence. Yes, they go to work. Yes, they're able, they're, they're in the secular world as well. But the essence of who they represent and who they are as a person is religion. Like, like that's what we represent. We do everything else like everybody else. But our essence is really, you know, we work the nine to five. We do the same things that everybody else. But our essence is so different what is important to us. And our essence is religion. And this is a family that was super duper religious. They were on a high level. And unfortunately, the, the child went off the derech. Young teenager went off the derech. And they were like, you know, they, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it until it came to like a point where this, this young teenager started, unfortunately, talking back to his parents. You know, being chutzpatek. You know, really speaking bad. Ruining the peace of the home. Going off, like not keeping shot. Like, like really, really in a bad situation. Until it came to the point where the this... Child, this teenager goes and says, that's it, I'm out. I'm not, you know, like the next Yom Tov, I'm not going to be home. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And when the mother heard this, you know, the mother like broke down. Like a mother was connected, gave everything to the child, carried the child for nine months, like nurtured this child, gave the child, like, like pushed this child for growth in their, their physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual endeavors. And all of a sudden, this, they just threw everything back in this mother's face. It broke the mother. This mother cried that night like she's never cried before. And it's in the wee hours in the morning. It's about, you know, two in the morning. And she, she, she was just like crying. She just like couldn't deal with it. And, uh, you know, she, 
opened up, you know, photo albums, you know, looking at the little baby that she once had, the little sweet, innocent child that she once had. And she sees, you know, like at five years old, she's seeing there where the, you know, he's helping her cook, you know, bake those, those chocolate chip cookies. And he asking her, remembers her, she remembers him asking, can I lick the batter? And she's like, yeah, okay, you can lick the batter, but then you got to go straight to bed. And she, she's like having all these memories and the memories when he gets his first chumash and when he got his first gemara and he was able to finish his first mesechta. And all of a sudden she starts crying all over again. She says, what happened to my little topic? What happened to my, my precious little righteous boy? What happened to him? He was destined for such greatness. And she decided that she's going to call this hotline. This is, you know, the story happened in Israel, but she didn't, you know, they didn't have the internet access and she didn't have the ability to go listen to classes. So they had this hotline where they had the ability to go. You're able to listen to classes on this, on this phone number. And she calls up off this, she calls up this chizik hotline and she was listening to classes about thinking of Kiddush Baruch That's what the, she ended up, you know, falling into. And she's listening for the next few hours. It's about four or five in the morning. And she hears all these classes about thinking of Kaddish Baruch Hu for everything that he put you in. And the stories about what people went through and they think and the salvation. She finally hangs up the phone. A new person. And it's about four or five in the morning. And she begins thinking of Kaddish Baruch Hu. She, And for the first time in her life that she ever did anything like that, she started thinking of Kaddish Baruch Hu for her benefit, for the positive, she, for her other children. And that she started thinking for her challenge with her with her current teenager. And after about two hours, she felt so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And she decided from that day on, there's going to be a new routine in the house. Every supper, the entire family is going to be thankful, to, is going to say things out loud why they're thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for, what they're thankful to God for. And uh, for the next few months, that's what she did. The whole family, they sat by the dinner table and they went around and it says each each kid said what they're thankful for. Now, this problematic child, the this teenager, whenever he came home, he came, he went straight to his room. Nobody saw him. Nobody heard from him. He when when he was home, he was in his room, and then he was out. He would run to the fridge maybe to get something to eat, to the bathroom, and then he was out. Nobody spoke to him. Nobody, no interaction. He was in his out. He was in his own world. After a few months of thinking of Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know, he came down during supper hours, which was a very surprising thing. Like, what, what's he doing here in supper hours? He's never here. And everybody's sitting around the table, and he's making believe. He's looking through the fridge, looking for something to eat. And uh, everyone's going around the table saying what they're thankful for. And this, this teenager, he had a four-year-old brother that it was his turn to say, you know, what he's thankful for. So he's four years old, and he's starting this list of what he's thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for. And he, you know, he, what about he's a four-year-old. He looks around the room, and he says what he's thankful for, whatever he sees, whatever he looks at. And he saw his brother, his teenage brother, and he says, I'm thankful for my brother for being my brother. And, you know, the family, like, quickly glanced at, you know, at him, and they saw that, you know, this teenager was looking at them, and all of a sudden, like, there was a small smile on his face. Like a smile. Like this teenager was like, no, he didn't smile for nothing, right? He was like a tough cookie living on the streets type of, you know, like personality. Like, like, and he, like the first time they saw him smile in months. The next night during supper, the teenager, there's probably, you know, kind of had another excuse of coming down. And he would just like keep an ear out to listen to what the family was being thankful for. And every night, he would sort of like, by accident, be in the area. He, was, he would want to hear what everybody's thankful for. Not that he was thankful, but he just like wanted to hear it. And nothing to do with, the, you know, like, listen to who's thankful for him. And all of a sudden, you know, this, this 
created a spark inside of him that he started, you know, like speaking to his siblings again, which he hasn't done for months. And, you know, he, he started, you know, like, you know, like participating in certain things that the family would do. And within a short, you know, a short period of time, he, uh, he found him by himself, a Chavrusa, a, a partner to learn Torah with. And within a very, very short period of time after that, he became fully religious again, became a nice, good, you know, young, young boy after that. What all instigated this? All the ability to go and say thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has angels, millions and billions of trillions of angels that sing praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But that's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, like, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want? HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the praises from the people inside, from the people that are, are going and are learning, like, like the human people. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the praises from. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants praises from. You know, the Birkas Avram goes and says that, you know, when you go and when you go to a palace of a king and you want to ask for some financial help, so who do they send you to? They send you to the, you know, they send you to the, I don't know, whatever, the the, the financier, the treasurer, whoever is on the, you know, on the board of, the, of treasure. And if you have an issue of, if you have an issue of, um, if you have an issue of, Health, they'll send you to the doctor. They'll send you to wherever else that you need to go. But what happens if you come to the palace? And in the palace, you go and, and you go and you say, I want to thank God. So they're not going to send you to the treasure. They're not going to send you to the, you know, like, I don't know, to like, a, a, you know, the, 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 the medical professional. They're not going to send you to the taxes professional. They're going to send you. If you want to thank the king, they're going to send you, put you right in front of the king. So when when somebody goes and wants to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's nobody that could stand in that way. They go straight to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They go straight to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that's where they're able to go and they're able to go and speak directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is the ability that we have that we can't begin to you know to you know to comprehend the power of what gratitude has. You know the you know speaking about miracles, the Shulchan Aruch brings out an archive that if someone sees a miracle uh, that takes place for an individual, then whenever wherever the location is, that person now has to go whenever they go past by that location they have to make a blessing that they had a miracle in that location so you know they say you know blessed because who performed me you know whatever there's certain you know you can look in the you know in our high over there you know like to to, to see the the lushan of the bracha that you need to do how often do you do it once in 30 days if you pass by the, the location that you had a miracle you have to go back once in in you know 30 days now the you know even the medrash Tanhuma brings down that yosef atadik when he was sold at that in and he passed by the pit that he was thrown into he made a blessing also because he was in a pit full of snakes and scorpions and they didn't bite him so he went and he you know he made it he made that blessing but there's a question among the amongst the postkin on what's considered a miracle like if let's say someone's car crashed and they rolled over a bunch of time but they and emerged without a scratch is that is that considered a miracle somebody was being chased by a by a wild animal and all of a sudden, somebody came with a gun and was able to, you know, drive that animal away. Was that a miracle? So some rabbis would say, yeah, that's a miracle. But other rabbis would say, no, but those are examples that you can attribute them to natural 
forces, you know, like this guy's seatbelt was on and they had a good safety in the car and this person happened to be, you know, there's a forest ranger that was there and was able to save him. So what's considered a miracle, what's not considered a miracle if you have to go and make the blessing? So now where does this question arise? This question only arises if, if I have to make the blessing or if I don't have to make the blessing. But in essence of whether you have to be thankful or not, in both scenarios, whichever way you look at it, whether you have to make the blessing or you don't have to make the blessing, it's still something that you have to be very grateful for for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The, you know, the, the situation is of gratitude is, is stands in either case. So, when we look at our life and we define what was miraculous and what was not, when we delve a little bit deeper, we could really attribute a lot of things in our life to be miraculous that happened in our lives. You know, like there, there was a woman who was, uh, you know, davening chakras and she was watching her little uh, toddler and all of a sudden she's sitting over there and she has this, uneasy, you know, as a mother, she has this uneasy feeling and she goes and, you know, she's about to start Shemona and she's like, no, she, she had this bad feeling and she starts looking around and she couldn't find her toddler. And she runs to the back, runs to the front, can't see him. All of a sudden, she notices the back door to the house is open. She runs out, and she she starts frantically looking. And she, you know, she had a pool in her backyard, and there was a gate around the pool, but the gate was also open, and the toddler was standing on that on the ledge of the pool. And now she's like, okay, like if she runs too quick, you know, the toddler, you know, could just like jump in, could fall right in. So she has to like think about like, so how am I, like what, am she, what should I do at this point? And she slowly makes her way towards the pool and nonchalantly, like without scaring the, the toddler, she gets closer and closer and quickly scoops him up and brings him home. And, you know, she's like, oh, okay, phew, that was crazy. That was unbelievable. Then she starts thinking, she's like, you know, this was a huge miracle. And, you know, she heard a story about a, you know, a, ch a child that went to, that got into the pool and was drowned. And then there was a Tala that came and was able to survive, you know, like resuscitate this child. And that was miraculous. And it brought him back. And then this woman goes around and, you know, like goes and, and tells about the story about the, about how this, you know, because goes and saves her child. And she stops her saying, she says, she says, is my case any less miraculous? She's like, so, so my child didn't fall in. My child didn't have to be resuscitated. My child didn't, was not on the brink of death, but they could have been. They were right there. Like, and she realized, she's like, the gratitude that I have, I have to have is the same level of gratitude to a certain extent as the other woman who the child drowned and then came back to life. And, you know, when we take this idea and we think about it, you know, how many times we're driving and... You know, we didn't, Baruch Hashem, we didn't get into any accident. So how many times we were like, oh, wow, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch for that. Do we, do we actually think of it like that? Or is it just like something that just like, you know, like slips by and we don't even like, you know, put it into our mind. But when we start thinking about it, like how many things in our life that happen that we have to be so, so grateful for that it didn't go wrong and it could have gotten so wrong. You know, you go on a plane, you have to say, you have to especially fly over an ocean. You have to say, you thank you, Takadish Baruch for it. There's so many things that happen in our life that we don't even realize is miraculous. Is is really miraculous. Now, when, when you look at, you know, a miracle, you can, you can really look at it in one of three ways. You can look at it as an open miracle, like a simple open miracle. You look at it through an unusual string of events that, 
really point to the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was behind it. Or you can look at it like, whatever, natural, nature. Let's use this as an example. Let's say someone did not have enough money for whatever, job is medical bills, pick your fancy. And they needed $1,000. The next morning they wake up, scenario A, miraculous. He opens up his wallet and there's $1,000 of cash in there. Now, that's a clear miracle because last night when he went to sleep, there was no $1,000 in there. And now there is $1,000 in the wallet. Open miracle. Scenario B is someone knocks on his door and says, oh, there's a you know wealthy guy decided to, to distribute at random for families to be able to support themselves with the ease, you know, a little bit of a present. Here's $1,000. Okay, like kind of natural, but, you know, a little bit more on, uh, you know, like like a, a little bit of a string of events that, that happened, had to happen over here. Option number C, this person needs $1,000. This person works, gets $1,000 every week as a paycheck from, from his boss. So in all scenarios, a person needed $1,000. In all scenarios, they receive $1,000. But in which scenario do they attribute it to a Kaddish Baruch Hu versus natural? So everybody could agree that if scenario A, they went to sleep without $1,000, they woke up with $1,000, that's a clear miracle. So they could say, like, okay, this is for, obviously from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Scenario B is like, it depends. If someone is in tune with Emuna and Bitachon and Akar Stov and all these things, then they can realize, okay, wait a minute, I need $1,000. All of a sudden, someone knocks on my door, gives me $1,000. Like, this has got to be, this is from God, obviously. That's scenario number B. Scenario number C is someone has to be like really on a high level. Like I need money. I have bills to pay. And yes, I have a job, but like a Kiddush Baruch Hu gave me this job. So like, let me be thankful and grateful for the situation that a Kiddush Baruch Hu has put me in. These are the three scenarios. And it all depends on where we see it. At the end of the day, we come to the same conclusion. The money is in the bank and we're able to pay the bills, Baruch Hashem. But the question is, how did you get that? And how did you associate it where you got that from? Now the Gemara, go, the Gemara in Shabbos, Page 32a goes and says that if you have a miracle that's performed by you, what happens if you have a miracle? If you get a miracle performed by you, it, it reduces your schusen. It reduces your merits that you have in the next world. But the Medrash goes and Medrash in the Helen goes and says that if God performs a miracle for you, and again, the schusen gets diminished. You lose your, your schuyot. You, you lose your merits that you have built up. But if you're able to go and sing praises, songs of praise, like and gratefulness, and you thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu for the miracle that He just did for you, that person gets forgiven for all their sins. The implication of this is that not only do you not lose anything, meaning if you had a miracle and you're grateful for that miracle, not only do you not lose your merits, you also will gain and you will get re- forgiven for all your sins. You, we under, let me repeat that so that just that it's clear that if you go and if you have a miracle through the, the, the natural spiritual workings of the spiritual realms, if there's a miracle that was performed on your behalf, you automatically now reduce your merits. But if you go and you're thankful for what just happened, your merits not only get increased back to where they were before, you even get forgiven for the sins that you have had. That, that's, that's crazy. The, the Shomer Amunim goes and brings down that the reward for saying thank you for an open miracle is something so unbelievable. That's an open miracle. That not only you get forgiven for your sins, but you also get the, you don't get your merits deducted from you. So imagine how much reward you would get for thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for a non-hidden miracle. 
for just like regular life, like good things that happen to you. Now let's take that a step further. Now imagine you're thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for things that are negative. Can we even begin to understand the level of gratitude, of, of, of power that we can have if we have that gratitude? There's so much power that we have. There's so much levels that we can achieve. There's so much levels of Hakar Satov that, that, that the schoolers that could come out. It, this is a very, very simple idea. The idea is just be grateful. And at times it could be easy. But at times it can be very, very difficult. Especially if you're in the middle of a difficult challenge in your life, whether it's marriage, whether it's children, whether it's parnasa, whether it's health, whatever it is, we could be in a very, very difficult situation. You want to know a good skula? You want to know a tried and tested skula? Is if you're able to go and say, thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like, God, thank you for putting me in this situation. That has a power to go and take you out of that out of that situation, out of that negativity. You have so much power that you are able to tap into if we only realize what we have and what the abilities that we have to be able to, like, just, like, tap into that and the power that we have. There's so many things that we want in our life, and maybe we have never been able to achieve it. Try this method. Try the method of being thankful for it. Thankful for the difficulty. But really be thankful. Not just say it. Like really put yourself in a situation day in, day out. Try it for 40 days. And make it a challenge. 40-day challenge of being thankful for HaKadosh Baruch Hu for whatever it was. Positive, negative, neutral, doesn't matter. 40 days. And see that if your life doesn't change. I can promise you, your life will change for the better. And when your life does change for the better... Please reach out to me because I need more stories. No, I don't need more stories, but I would love to hear the stories to hear on how much your life has changed because I can guarantee it. If you really are grateful, your life is going to change. And with that, we'll open up to some stories. Yes, Shira, thank you for the kind words. Yes, 100%. And I'm main for that. Okay, um, what is the... What is the auspicious time this Shabbat? Is it for nine minutes after the ninth hour after dawn or sunrise? So, so in general, uh, there is Shabbat. By the way, is a very, very auspicious time. All areas of Shabbat, uh, you know, of uh, you know, of Shabbat, especially if you deal with the Sikin and different, you know, time. But Shabbat itself is a, is is like a crazy, crazy time that you really could tap into spirituality that you can't really tap into to any area. If you want to know Kabbalistic in this particular thing, uh, we're going to take that to, to a different uh, uh, offline because uh, I have a few things to say in that, but not not at this, uh, you know, at this point. Oh, okay, not too many questions. Last question: When we're praying. And we begin to have bad thoughts, like something bad is going to happen, or to someone close to us. How should we react to that? Should we just ignore the thought coming in? Yeah, uh, so, so there are two types of thoughts. There are fleeting thoughts, and there are thoughts that, we're dwell, that we dwell upon. So fleeting thoughts, um, so in, in Hebrew it's called Hihurim and Machshabos. So when you have a, a fleeing thought, where a thought just like pops into your head, that you just got to push it out, ignore it, you know, don't listen to it. That's the, that's the correct way to do it. You shouldn't take that thought, especially if it's negative, and dwell upon it. Meaning, and you go and you like think about it and you think about the negativity, but rather it's better to, uh, you know, to push it, to push it out. Okay, next question. We had a few more questions had to come in. Um, how long does your skirt have to be? So in general, your skirt... 
for there's two aspects of it number one is the tightness of it which it shouldn't be too tight obviously and the length of it when you're sitting down it should cover your knees that that's where the length of it is obviously the longer the better but i'm saying like that that's that's the minimum that it where, where it should be <laughs> and thank you for that we're grateful to the to the sheer and the school thank you so much yeah thank you for the gratitude that you have given me <laughs> me for that so thank you for the thank you basically can you tell us about the mystical secrets of shabbat oh the mystical secrets of shabbat um i i once gave a class with um rav yaakov mizrahi and uh, his his thing he's very like his thing is shabbat so if you want to hear a lot of things about shabbat listen to uh go go check out his classes on torah anytime he has a lot of classes a lot of ideas on on shabbat that he brings out and um you know he's he's really an amazing amazing rabbi so definitely um definitely look at look 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 into that but but regarding the the power of shabbat it's like it's like unparalleled that we can begin to understand it you know like you know rabbi yeah brings down like the level of learning where you learn for example during the week when you learn on shabbat it's worth like a thousand times more like the, the level that we could tap into it's like a spiritual day with spiritual power so imagine you have somebody who is into like i don't know let's go uh, black magic whatever it is there's one day that that black magic is more powerful than any other day of the year. Like, we're so lucky because we have, you know, spirituality. There's one day a week, not a year. Like, of course, you have the Yom Kippur. But there's one day a week that spirituality has so much more power than any other day. So really capitalize, and that's Shabbat. Okay. Is saying thank you a guarantee that everything will turn around? That's a great question. Like, is it a guarantee that if you say thank you, that automatically it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn around? Uh, I haven't seen anywhere where there is a guarantee. Like, guarantee is a strong word. Because even a skulot are not guaranteed. There's, these things are... So guarantee is a strong word. Is it a very, very powerful that can achieve things that you have never been able to achieve before? 100%. Will it automatically take it around? You know... If you were to ask me, I, I, I technically would say guarantee, but I can't because I don't have a source to back it, but I have a lot of subliminal sources that can back that, that it will guarantee. It will guarantee, let me let me rephrase that, guarantee it will change your life, but will it be guaranteed the situation that you're in would automatically be resolved? I can't guarantee anything. The only thing that you can guarantee is taxes and death. That's the only thing that can be guaranteed. Everything else in that cannot be guaranteed, but has a huge, huge power. But again, when you're doing this and you're doing this as a skulad and you want things to change, you have to be really grateful. Not just like lip service and say thankful. Like like it's 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 a work. It's a work in progress that you have to really do. What about a thought that just does not leave you and you pray to Hashem for it to leave it and does not go away and it disturbs your tefillah. So it depends what that thought is. If it's a heretical thought, it depends on where where that thought is. If it's a negative thought, there are, there are many different ways that I can answer that question, but it all depends on what that thought is. So either you could rephrase, you could put that in the chat, you could send it to me directly, or you could reach out to me privately and uh, um, you know we could uh, we could, I, we could discuss it and I could you know guide you that way. Next question, is Bitachan believing that the outcome will be good or is Bitachan believing that everything Hashem does is good? The latter. Bitachan is believing that everything that Hashem does is for the is for the best. But the power that Bitachan has is that you'll also see it. Meaning that 
we can realize that it's all for the best, but you could also see that it's also for the, all for the best once you get the bigger picture of things, and that's where the power of bitachon has. And thank you for the kind words. Uh, oh, thank you for the kind words for all the nice blessings. Why are you saying thank you higher than prayer? This, so that's it's not that it's saying thank you is technically higher than prayer, but it has the ability to accomplish more than prayer has if you really tap into it. Pray, thank you is a, is a huge. It, it, being grateful is such a huge, huge aspect, just to show you the importance of it. Since Matzah Yom Kippur, I've had a bad feeling that something global is going to happen. Is it? It's a weird feeling, like an impending doom. What should I do with it? Ignore, and can I harbor on it? And can harboring on it make it reality? So there is an idea where th- your thoughts do have a power, and they do have the ability to change reality. Um, but in essence, in a global level, is more difficult <laughs> to go to that to that sense. But if you have a bad feeling about something, there's two ways to go about it. Number one is to ignore it and move it on the side, which, you know, it depends on where and how the feeling came into being. So it, it, I don't have enough information to give you a, a full answer on that. But you could definitely pray for it. But at the same point in time, I would definitely not dwell on it, especially if it's just like a feeling. Like some people... Give an example um, where you have certain people that feel like every disease they hear is they're going to that you know you know they're going to get. So like, should they like stop thinking about it or think about it and pray that they don't get it? In essence, stop thinking about it. It's not healthy. It's not healthy to be in that mindset. But is it bad or negative to pray that you don't get a certain disease? Absolutely not. It's a great thing to pray for. You should pray that you should be healthy from all diseases. But in an essence, if it takes you and incapacitates you to a level that you can't you can't deal with reality, then you have to take that out of your reality. You have to like take that out of your mind. Like some things are are good to pray for and some things are good to just like you're you're putting things that some people are, are very into their own head. They're into their own thoughts and they ruin themselves by constantly just like they're in their own head too much. And that's just like forget about like you just gotta leave yourself. Like 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 take it out of your mindset. So it all depends. I'm I'm only answering in vague because I'm being asked in vague, but it depends on the specifics of the question. Being thankful is not a guarantee that you get to keep something or someone, example, my daughter that died. Yeah, sure, absolutely. It's not it's not a guarantee in a, in a certain sense, but there is a guarantee that your life can be more meaningful and fulfilling and happier. What's the difference between emuna versus bitachon? So emuna, the simplest again, we have a whole we have a class on this that I would I would you know back in our towards our beginning of our emuna series. But the basic understanding is emuna is the like like I'm giving you a very basic, but definitely go back to that. Emuna is more theoretical. Bitachon is putting it into action. I've heard a lot of I've heard of, oh, sorry okay I've heard of great rabbinim who don't even distinguish between nais and teba for them why would they feel the need to thank Hashem if everything to them is the same like we don't thank Hashem for letting oil light so Rav Hanina if vinegar lights why is it something that he's thankful for Hashem for I love that question that is a great question so so let's say you take you know someone who's really righteous you know like we're, we're miracles and reality and nature are all the same like if they see in nature it doesn't phase them so in when we look at it from from one angle you're right maybe it won't phase them 
But when you look at these righteous people, they're thankful for everything, meaning that they're thankful equally for the miracle as if it was nature, because everything is miraculous in their mind. So when we're looking at, okay, Rabbi says, okay, the oil is supposed to lie, the vinegar is going to lie, okay, they both lie, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that he didn't see it as miraculous and to be thankful. It means that he was on a, such a level that he was so grateful to Akadish Baruch Hu for oil the same way that he would have been grateful that a vinegar lit. Meaning that it didn't matter if it was vinegar, if it was oil, if it was water, if it was salt, it doesn't matter if it lit. He was equally grateful, so it's not looking at it from the from from the from the lack of of, of the, you know distinguishing between the miraculous versus the non miraculous. It's looking at it that it doesn't matter whether it was miraculous or not miraculous. They were equally grateful. A negative thought, such as something God forbid is going to happen bad, that does not leave. And disturbs our prayer. So there are certain things that if you have a negative thought that constantly comes in, sometimes it's better to push it out. It depends on the thought, especially if it's in your own mind. It's better to just push it out because you shouldn't dwell on things. That, again, the same idea that you're, you're, you're in your own head. But again, it depends on that negative thought. Can it hurt to pray for it? Absolutely not. You pray for whatever it is that you want to, but you cannot dwell on these Floating thoughts that come into you to your mind. That, that's something that we have to work on controlling. Does publicizing a miracle take away merits, or should we be sharing miracles with others? You should be sharing. Like if you're able to share the miracles and bring benefit to other people, then it is something very, very important, and you should, uh, you you know, you should do it. And that's why people, when they do these these daya, they give these these Thanksgiving type of uh, of, of of meals or you know things. They 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 say what they're thankful for. And it doesn't take away the merit. You should, you should, you're, you're publicizing. It's a Kiddush Hashem. You're publicizing and you're thinking Hashem publicly for what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for you. If I had a near-death experience, do I have to say the blessing on having a miracle? So that's a good question. Once you're starting to deal with if you should make it, be making a blessing, that depends on a lot of factors. And we're not going to answer it on, on uh, you know, that it's possible that you will have to make a Berchaz HaGomel. And that you will, oh, you did actually ask that. And that, yeah, at times you might need to do that. Yeah, it depends on the situation. I definitely ask a rabbi, you could ask me or whatever, we could guide you offline. I heard a bitachan is a guarantee for many things, so that's probably why saying thank you really works. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Okay, next question. If a person is not yet living off their own salary, is it okay to give 85% of their money to tzedakah or should they save up for the future? I'm not exactly sure what that means. If that means that you're working and you don't need the money at this point, you can give more money to Tzedakah, but you you should also, you know, it, it really this question really depends on the level of where a person is holding. Uh, you have people that give, you know, give people, you know, give Tzedakah out, you know, at a, at a high high rate, and there, you know, and, and there are other people that give the ten percent. So it depends where you're holding, but it's good that if you're working, there's a reason why you're supposed to give ten percent, and if you're able to, you give twenty percent. How should I act in a situation where something is out of my control happened that causes me to miss out on a mitzvah? Should I also be happy and thank Hashem for that? Yes. And if you're able to prevent it from happening next time, you should also do that. Does Rav know about the famous rabbi in Israel? The big rabbanim saying, the big that big rabbanim are saying is Mashiach. Oh, let me let me go back on this. Does Rav know about the famous rabbi in Israel that big rabbanim are saying 
is Mashiach. I didn't hear about this, so please share with me that information. Can the Rav elaborate more on him and give any inside scoops that the public may not know about? So maybe I'm missing on something because I did not hear this. Um, uh, and so please do share that with me. I'm not familiar with this uh, this information. Because uh, Amir I am going to be in Israel. So if Mashiach is there, I would like to go and meet him. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Rabbi. It really helped me. Shabbat Shalom. Amazing class. Thank you very, very much. Uh, oh, we had another question that just came in. What to do about the intrusive thoughts in a Torah perspective? Intrusive, push them out. It, you know, if you, it really the easiest way is to think about something else. If you think you could, your mind can only think about one thing at a time when you're able to focus on something. So if you're, you have constant thoughts coming in, if you focus on one thing, that's pushing everything else out. Oh, we have another question. What's the point of one's Avera out of your control? How does it benefit anyone? Oh, what is the point of an onus, maybe? Oh, yeah, what is the point of an onus? And if they were out of your control, how does it benefit anyone? So it depends on the situation. I, I can't answer just off the top, but sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts us in a situation that we can't control, and that's not really a something that, it's really on how we deal with that, not on how we are going to, um, you know, get out of it per se, but sometimes there's other reasons for the for those tests. Yes, uh, there's another question over here. You can definitely unmute yourself or you can ask whatever it is, whichever way you want. Or not. Either way, thank you all for joining. Have an amazing, amazing Shabbat. Have an amazing week. And may HaKadosh Baruch Hu help us internalize this power of gratitude to be able to achieve true greatness. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.